0: And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPackers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find LockedOnPackers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show. For fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. The combined performance portion, the running, the jumping, all of the good stuff, kicks off tonight on NFL Network, and it's going to be in prime time this year. Uh, They changed the schedule much to the chagrin of agents and players. They added some drills at the last second, and guys are not super pumped about that. But if you're the kind of person who works, you're probably excited that you're going to get to watch some of this stuff, and maybe you'll find out it's not nearly as exciting as you thought it was going to be. On today's show, I want to start with the CBA talk because Aaron Rodgers played a central role in it and his role could have reverberations around the league. I also want to talk about the running back position a little bit because those guys took the stage yesterday in terms of the interview process with the media and we got a little bit of insight into what's going on with the Packers. And I, and I, I just think it's an interesting position to take a look at because the Packers are going to have some decisions to make. I'm not sure it's something that we'll do a full offseason report card on. So this might be a little mini cap, um, you know, a progress report. On Wednesday, the 32 player reps for the NFL's player union met with the NFL. They had a discussion. And they voted 17-14-1 with the abstention to move the current CBA forward for a full player vote. And this is important for a couple of reasons. Number one, it could create a new collective bargaining agreement in place by the open of the league year in March, which is important for all sorts of reasons, not the least of which teams can push money off into the future. And the players and teams will know the the future of the league in terms of what the rosters are going to look like are there going to be these expanded rosters are there going to be more games does that change the way that teams build their rosters and i think these are conversations that that we need to have if we're looking at okay a 17 game schedule does that change how many offensive line you need to carry does it change how many running backs you might need does it change there's a lot of things that that could that could be impacted here it also changes the the money because the owners agreed to lift the cap on that 17th game by 2021. So the there will not be someone like Aaron Rodgers who's supposed to get, you know, some $2 million game check and they're playing for $250,000. That's not going to be happening. Okay, easy concession to make. The owners also said they're going to set up a committee that will investigate player injuries and then, you know, that will be useful in some nebulous sort of way. Aaron Rodgers became a focal point of this conversation because reports came out on Wednesday. He was one of the player reps. He is the Packers union representative who was most vociferously opposed to this deal. He felt like the extra game should require offsets to the rest of the league year, that the demands, whether it's training camp, whether it's mini camp, OTAs and the offseason workout process is too onerous on the players that the schedule needs to be altered in some way to give guys more opportunities to recover. And he did not get that. Those concessions were not made, according to the reports that we have right now. We'll not know the full extent of all of the accommodations that the owners have made until this CBA is ratified. There still needs to be a full vote on all of that. But Rodgers was fighting, and he said uh, in a statement that he did so for his players that he was representing, not just for himself. I'm going to read the statement that he gave on Twitter. I voted no last night. My decision to vote no is based off the conversations I have had with the men in my locker room that I'm tasked to represent. This deal will affect every player that ever plays this game, and we have made this decision with only an abbreviated version of the deal, and that isn't good enough, although I do see that there are many things in the proposal that improve the lives and care for past, present, and future NFL players. There are issues with others. 16 games, to me, was never something to be negotiated. The owners made it clear that the 17 game is about paying for the added benefits and had nothing to do with positive feedback received about any risks involved with the added regular season game. Also, an extra game for every two-seed moving forward on wildcard weekend, i.e. Green Bay Packers in 2019, equals no buy. There were also many issues raised about the workplace, the workload, and the off-season program. Some have been addressed while others have not. With an extra game added to the schedule, added risk, and longer stretches before and after the bye week, we felt it was important to address adding more off-season recovery time. The ideas discussed would not add any cost for team. In fact, if anything, would lessen some of them. My involvement has been far less than the negotiating team, the executive committee, and the owners in these conversations, and I'm sensitive to that and appreciative of the time and sacrifices made. My involvement as a player rep and a 15-year player in this great game, though— allows me this platform to share my opinion and at the same time requires me to speak on behalf of the sentiment I hear from my teammates. And there's some interesting things in there that, that I haven't really seen discussed much. Rogers mentions the 17-game season is not about, at least from the owner's perspective, just adding games. They're saying, in a sense, if we're going to add these things, if we're going to change you know, health insurance, if we're going to change costs of minimum salaried guys, which is gonna go up, you know, a hundred thousand. If we're gonna add money for for player revenue, all of this stuff, then we need more revenue. And so a 17 game pays for all of this other stuff. That is what Rogers is saying the owner's position on this was. And in a lot of ways that softens the ownership position. Because the original thought that I think most people had when they heard, oh, the NFL wants to take away a bye week, add a playoff game, and add a 17th game to the season was, this is a money grab. They want more money, and they're trying to squeeze as much time out of the players as they can because that means more money. Now, that still could be what happened, okay? And the the owners could just be saying, well, if you want all of these concessions— They're going to cost money, at least some of them. And so in order to pay for the things that you want, we're going to add a game. And it could be as simple as, okay, you want a bigger piece of the revenue pie. You want 48% of the revenue, 48.5% of the revenue. Adam Schefter had a tweet that that was the most of any sports league in, in America. On its face, not true. He clarified that after fees... Maybe it is relative to the NBA. We don't, we're not really sure about baseball. Not important. But the point is, if the owners are going to give up revenue, then what they want to do is expand the pie. Okay, let's let's take, you know, if we're going to get 48% of, let's call it just a billion dollars for round numbers. If we're only going to get 52% of that versus what we used to get, then let's make it $2 billion. All right, now they're not going to double revenue, but that's not the point. The point is, if you're going to get less of the pie, make the pie bigger. This is apparently, according to Rogers, the argument that ownership is making. I think more importantly for our purposes moving forward, it looks as if this collective bargaining agreement is going to pass. According to Dan Graziano from ESPN, 60 to 65 percent of the league is on minimum salaries and the minimum salary is going up. 90 to 100,000 starting in 2020. So, if you get signed to a minimum deal this year, assuming that this is ratified before the new league year, you get a pay increase. And if most of the players in the league are in that position, 100,000 is a lot of money for anybody. But especially if you're a minimum salary guy, that's a big jump for you. And so, they're going to like this deal. You know, they're not affected by as much by oh well you know the the 48% versus 47% or 49% they don't care about that because they're not they're not taking the lion's share of that money Aaron Rodgers is getting you know 100 million dollar contracts so he cares what the salary cap is because that means major earning potential for him if you're a fringe roster guy what you care about is a deal getting done and you getting an extra $100,000 this year because you've got to pay your phone bill, you got to pay your family's phone bill, you got to buy a house, you got to pay for your for your kids. You got to do the thing. You have to make the money. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to worry about that. The the stakes are different. Now his point is I'm protecting everybody. The players want more time off. The players want to be able to recover. The players Want to be able to have a little bit more freedom and independence in the offseason where the teams are not putting them through the drills. Trust us to do the job. That's what Rodgers is saying. And if you want more taxing work on our bodies, then give us this thing. And it's actually not going to cost you anything. In fact, not having people come to the facility will make your job easier and cheaper. So the running backs were out in Indy yesterday, and, and we'll see them run later this week. And, and that's always a fun one because, you know, the, the drills that they do are are good. You like you get to see them catch, which is an important thing. A lot of, a lot of running backs in college, you know, they, they play in a stable, so they don't have to do as much of the pass-catching duties or they don't have to do as much pass-protecting. So we're going to get to see them show off a much more versatile skill set if they have it. Now, the Packers, there's a couple players – that that I saw reportedly, the Packers spoke to, and it got me thinking. You know, the names are kind of all over the place. J.K. Dobbins is is considered, you know, a borderline first round pick. They also talked to Keyshawn Vaughn uh, and Darius Jed Anderson from TCU. Those guys are day three guys. And you know, Jed Anderson said, you know, they were thinking about me as a kick returner. And I thought, if they're going to to look for a running back in this draft, and there are certainly reasons to do that. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams going into the last years of their deal. They're going to have some decisions to make on paying those guys. On the other hand, a player who unlocked this offense a little bit down the stretch, Tyler Irvin, is a spot that they could look to upgrade. Whether it's as a returner, whether it's as a running back out of the backfield, they liked Irvin's playmaking so much, and they lacked it so much behind Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams that, he was running routes in games they needed to win and he was getting, you know, plays called for him on jet sweeps and interesting end-arounds with him in the playoffs. Well, what if they actually invested some resources into making that position someone with some some serious pedigree, someone with some playmaking chops. And that doesn't have to be, you know, a first-round pick, doesn't even have to be a third or a fourth-round pick, but a young, dynamic player. Could that be something that they'd be interested in? When you go back and look at how Matt LaFleur allocated snaps early in his his tenure with Tennessee, he was giving Deion Lewis a lot of run and actually got a lot of criticism for that. And maybe in retrospect should have gotten more, frankly, because Derrick Henry is really good. Now, he wanted to play a certain kind of offense. He wanted a certain kind of back. Derrick Henry is not the kind of guy you can split out and have him run routes the way Aaron Jones can or the way Deion Lewis can. He's not even really a screen back. He is a turn-and-hand-it-back. And And Green Bay, Jamal Williams, is not really a a run-routes guy. You can use him in the passing game, in the screen game, in the the checkdown game. But he is basically a lesser version of Aaron Jones. There's not really a diversity of skill set there. He's not truly a power back. He is a good pass blocker, though Aaron Jones has come a long way in that department. But he is not a dynamic option. You don't bring him in, and all of a sudden the defense has got to worry about where is he, what is he doing, what's the situation. You bring in someone with some juice. You know, I know Clyde Edwards-Alaire from LSU is a name that's been out there. Could he be a day two player for the Packers? Someone who could come in and and give you some juice, some wiggle, some some pass catching opportunities. I think there are players in this draft that Green Bay could view as being more diverse in their skill set. Matt LaFleur has talked about building a team with diverse skills. Now, they want good football players. Brian Gutekinds made that clear earlier in the week. But they want guys who can do different kinds of things because for Matt LaFleur, that means versatility. That means being able to play that guy multiple positions. Put him in the backfield, split him out wide, let him run jet sweeps. They want to do all that stuff. We saw them do it when they had a player who could do it in Tyler Irvin. And in some ways, this is the offensive version of a Raven green or an Ibrahim Campbell. Could this be a low key position of desire for the Packers? Could they be looking to say, what if we put someone with a little bit more pedigree in those spots? Now for me, what about LaVisca Chanel? Could he, he be someone who gives us, gives you those snaps. And we talked about that with Jordan Reed. If you get a Jalen Rager, What kind of playmaking dimension does he bring? What kind of optionality does he offer you? There are also running backs in this draft who can provide that same kind of versatility. Are they running backs? Are they receivers? They're a little bit of everything. Lynn Bowden from Kentucky is a guy who can be played as a receiver, can be played as a running back. You could run him in Wildcat. You could do whatever you wanted. There are always players who have those versatile skill sets that can come in and give you something, and if it's not Dexter Williams... And Matt LaFleur talked in his press conference earlier this week about wanting to bring in a third guy. Likes Jamal Williams, but thinks a third guy is necessary. And look, if they're going to play a 17-game schedule, you need three running backs. Full stop. You need three running backs. The wear and tear on those bodies is too much. And if you need the one seed to get a bye, look, you got to have a stable of backs. And Matt LaFleur already wants a stable. But then you need to allocate resources to finding that guy. It seems likely they're going to do that in this draft. That doesn't mean Dexter Williams' career is over, but this is certainly a big offseason for him. There are also decisions to be made with this roster and the contracts because Jamal Williams is over $2.2 million on the cap this year. Big jump from last year, and he's in the last year of his deal. If they find a back they really like and they think Dexter Williams in a pinch can give them something, maybe they say, look, it's just not a it's just not a luxury we can afford. And it saves them some money. Now, I don't think it saves them enough money to move the needle. And they really like Jamal Williams. His relationship with Aaron Jones is awesome. And their energy together is infectious. In fact, someone like Jamal Williams, in some ways, is is more likely to be retained because he's going to cost a lot less than Aaron Jones. Now, I don't, I don't think we're to the point yet where we have to say, is there going to be a holdout? Is there not? Is Aaron Jones going to want to get paid now? What's the deal? We're not there yet. And I don't know that we're going to get there. And I don't know what the Packers' position on that's going to be. They haven't had to deal with something like this in a long time. Eddie Lacy, when Eddie Lacy was done, Eddie Lacy was done. And it really hasn't been since Amon Green that they had a running back this good going into a situation where he needs a new contract. So what are the Packers going to do in terms of valuing Aaron Jones? Well, you save yourself some of those issues if you're only going to play him 45, 50% of snaps. If you find a third running back, all of a sudden you can roll his snaps back. You can be more efficient with him. And then maybe his stats aren't so big. You don't have to pay him so much. Now, I don't think they would have any sort of nefarious intent in that way. But it does have a fringe benefit for the franchise. I'm not even advocating doing that because the the Packers offense with Aaron Rodgers on the field and Aaron Jones on the field and Devontae Adams on the field, that's when it's at its best. I think Aaron Jones should be playing a lot, but you also want to save him. You want to save his legs. You want to save the wear and tear. You want backups who can play. I do think one area on the margins where Green Bay could improve is that third running back, playmaker type position and have it be a kick returner. That's why I love the idea of of Jed Anderson from TCU. If you're going to get a running back playmaker returner as your third running back, I think that is the best of all worlds for the Packers. Give you a little bit something in the passing game as well. That is a terrific option to make this team better in ways that it really mattered that Tyler Irvin was an upgrade. It it mattered in real ways in games down the stretch for the Packers as they're pushing for the two seed and in the playoffs. It mattered that Tyler Irvin was on their team and it wasn't you know, Darius Shepard back there returning punts and it wasn't Dexter Williams' running back three. They had someone that they wanted to go to because he had a skill set. So can they find someone with that skill set? And rather than perhaps taking a receiver in the fourth round, the fifth round, could they find one of these gadget players, doesn't have to be a running back, could be a receiver who can play a little bit of everywhere and gives them that versatile playmaking set? that skill set to take the burden off your running backs to make life easier for your receivers and most of all, to make life easier on your quarterback. All right. Our Friday show this week, we are back on with Periscope. So we will get that that happy hour Periscope on Friday, 5 Eastern, 4 Central on Periscope, and then the, uh, the podcast will come out shortly after. We'll talk about what happened on Thursday night which is tonight if you're listening to this today, but will be yesterday if you're listening tomorrow. I don't – let's not let us not go full Willy Wonka on this. Scratch that, reverse it, whatever. I don't know. At some point on Friday, 5 Eastern, 4 Central, we will be talking about what happened on Thursday, what will be happening on Friday, and take your questions. I've got a lot of good questions, players to talk about, players you guys are interested in, scenarios, all kinds of stuff. So we'll get to that on Friday and – it should be fun. It will be also a way to push forward, to preview what's going to be happening Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then we'll come back Monday with a whole lot more information than we had when we went into the weekend. Because all of the positions will have tested, we'll have heard more interviews. We'll have heard more scuttlebutt from around the league. What's going on? What's the situation? Who's meeting with the Packers? Who isn't? What are they looking for? What are they not? So a lot of stuff. To get to, remember you can follow me on Twitter to get that Periscope at Peter underscore Bukowski or just go follow me on Periscope. Every time I see someone join these Periscopes and it says such and such a person's their first day, means you came to watch the show. You joined Periscope to watch the show. I love that. Thank you so much for being a part of the Locked On Packers family. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Do me a favor and go leave a review. Preferably a nice review with a five star rating, but it helps us broaden the tent. It helps other people find out about us, and it helps us bring you this show at the highest possible quality level. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline, you want to be part of our Periscope tomorrow, let's do this. Hit me up on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline, 920 341 3775 to stay locked on Packers.